You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, everything's fixed. It's all going to be okay. The Bucks have figured out all of their problems and it's going to work out. It, it, the, I think they're on their way to the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe even an NBA Finals appearance. Uh, they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves 102-96. Uh, and they they hold the Timberwolves to just 12 points in the fourth quarter. They win 27 to 12 in the fourth quarter, and they win 102 96 overall. And Jason Kidd is holding everyone accountable, and <laughs> the Bucks are going to be okay. Do you have a different reading? Oh God, I'm gonna. Am, I, I mean, I, am I gonna make it through this season? Am I gonna make it to the All Star break? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what a weird game. I mean, um, you had to feel good for the players. I mean, going down early booze, looking just bad <laughs> against yep. the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, some of the turnovers in the first half of this game. Um, just, man, like a team that is just not on the same page with one another. Um, um, you know, defensively, we'll talk about it looking more aggressive and when guys were not aggressive they were made to stand accountable for it which yep. um you know is something that uh, obviously most of us are you know accountability is fine obviously that that's a plus um in it for any team with any coaching staff um you know here seeing evidence that they're just going to kind of go back to you know what hasn't worked for two and a half years um We'll see, but that that obviously is is less encouraging. But um, tonight, the Bucks finally get you know good defensive results, holding the Timberwolves to 96 points, a 103.4 defensive rating. Um, they did a nice job on the defensive glass, 83%. Since we've been talking about that so much, interestingly, not a single block shot for the Bucks tonight, um, but they do get 10 steals. We talked about both the Wolves and the Bucks have been a team that um, did very nice jobs. Uh, both forcing opponent turnovers and also limiting their own turnovers. And tonight, both teams were, you know, it was the defenses that sort of had their way. Um, certainly the Bucks, in particular, largely of the unforced variety. But um, they get 18 turnovers. The Wolves get 19. And, um, you know, we, you mentioned last night when we were wrapping up our preview pod that the Wolves were just finishing an overtime game um, on a back first night of a back-to-back. And, Certainly, in that fourth quarter and and late in the third quarter, it started to feel like that that was starting to catch up with them, and that you know again the idea that this was a schedule loss for them um, started to feel certainly more apparent, kind of as that game wore on, because you know up twenty points in the third quarter, 
Bucks did not look like a team that was on its way uh, to coming back and winning this basketball game, but um, they finished strong and the Wolves certainly faded strong, faded very badly and, you know, really started, seemed like settling for shots. And um, obviously the Bucks got enough plays and, and certainly in particular from, from Eric Bledsoe um, and to some extent Giannis, but, but in particular Eric Bledsoe and, and also Malcolm Brogdon once uh, Jason Kidd remembered that he was actually available to play. So, um, happy for this team, you know, being kind of the roller coaster that they've been going through, you know, you're happy for the players that they can get a little bit of a cathartic win, but certainly a, a very strange mixed bag of a game that required, you know, a, a, an opponent that, you know, again, did not bring their a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to think about exactly what happens in this game and Chris Middleton mentioned it that this is one of the strangest games he's ever played in because you you hit just about the the lowest lows that you can hit as you go down 20 in the third quarter uh Giannis was benched in to start the third quarter after I think about a minute and a half he comes out and he's not he's on the bench things aren't going well they're down 20 and the booze rain down in the Bradley Center and that, that's just not something you really hear a lot of. Uh, so you hear the boos and you're thinking, oh, is this kind of, I don't want to say, is this where the season breaks? But it did certainly feel like a moment where uh, a, there was questionable rotation decisions in the first half. Uh, guys getting pulled a minute and a half into the game. Malcolm Brogdon not playing for the first 20 minutes. Like there's just a bunch of weird stuff going on. You com- you compound all of that, and then you add in a 20 point deficit and booing at the Bradley Center, and you're just wondering, what am I seeing right now? And then they end up coming back. They hold the Timberwolves scoreless for. I th- think it's about four minutes there at the end of the game Jimmy Butler gets that three uh to end the game to make it a six-point game rather than a nine-point win but they hadn't scored for about four minutes the defense turns it on and Chris said it like you go from the lowest of lows to the kind of highest of highs having a comeback victory a sellout crowd kind of going crazy down the stretch and you see both ends of the of the spectrum and it's just a, a, a flat-out strange night, and I think, obviously, you can talk about some of the performances late. You can talk about Bledsoe uh, kind of closing the game out with a corner three, uh, with and, and again, a guy that isn't really a three-point shooter but always seems to, when he hits them, they seem to be big ones. Uh, so he hits a corner three, he gets an and-one layup on a pick-and-roll with Giannis, and he just makes big plays down the stretch. And uh, Chris doesn't have a great night, uh, just 14.7 rebounds, four assists. Giannis has not a great night either, certainly by his standards, 22 points, 10 rebounds, three assists on 11 of 20 shooting. Uh, so just not a great night, but they end up coming out with a win. And it's just not one that – if they play a team that is fresh, um, a team that – has their legs a team that can close a game out I don't know if you see a fourth quarter where they outscore their opponent 27 to 12 I I think maybe you see this team lose and I think if this game is lost instead of one everything inside this game looks a lot different because instead of holding guys accountable and getting a win you held guys accountable 
quote unquote, and ended up losing a game. And if that's the case, then you just pulled guys early and you pulled them for making a mistake. And that I don't necessarily know that that's the way NBA coaches tend to coach a lot. So you sat out Malcolm Brogdon, who is a plus 20 on the night for the first 20 minutes of the game. And then he ends up playing much of the final 28 minutes. Uh, so it, it, I'm just very curious with at the end of this game, obviously I tweeted out a bunch of quotes from the locker room, from Eric Bledsoe, from Giannis, from Kidd, uh, from Henson and Snell, and all of them largely being not just okay with being held accountable, like happy about getting held accountable. Uh, in Giannis, uh, I asked about getting pulled in the third quarter, and before I could even get the question out, he cuts me off and says, I love it, I love it, I love it. If you're not doing the right thing, you've got to sit your butt on the bench. I think Coach did a great job pulling guys out and teaching them a lesson. I was one of them. He pulled me out and he told me, you've got to play harder. I came back in, played harder. I love that. A coach to do that, that means he really wants to win and he really cares about his team. We've got to appreciate that as players. And my my immediate follow-up was, does it, does it mean anymore that he does it to you as well? And Jason Kidd in his post-game press conference mentioned that there aren't going to be favorites, that the, if Giannis makes mistakes, that he needs to be held accountable as well. And Giannis said, that's something I like. And you've got to have the, how can I say it politely? I can't figure out how to say this politely, but you've got to have the nuts to do that. Me <laughs> as a player, and I know everyone on this team appreciates that, no one gets special treatment. We're just here to win. Whoever wants to play hard is going to play. Whoever doesn't want to play hard is going to sit on the bench. And you hear some of that. You hear Eric Bledsoe when he was asked about guys getting pulled and Bledsoe himself getting pulled uh, early in that game after it looked like he didn't really hustle after a loose ball. He says, I feel like that's just great coaching. We go over stuff, go over situations. The way they prepare us during shoot-around, we come and F up time after time in the game. you got to try something new. And he did a great job pulling guys that were effing up, and I thought we did a great job responding when we got back in. And, again, I talked to John Henson. He said we were supposed to blitz uh, Jimmy Butler to start the game. Tony and I didn't blitz. We came out of the game immediately, and we were told – we just went over the game plan. You should know this. You should know that we're supposed to be blitzing, and that's why you're on the bench. Tony Snell confirms it. And all of these guys are, aside from Malcolm Brogdon, we can talk about the strangeness of that in a little bit, but those four guys were talking essentially about being happy about this, that being accountable is a good thing and being held accountable is an even better thing. And I'm just so curious what happens if the Timberwolves have legs they go down 20 and then have the stamina to finish that game out. Because I can't imagine if that turns into an ugly loss to a team on the second night of a back-to-back, that guys are really excited about it. I just can't imagine that that it goes the same way. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple layers to this, obviously. I mean, first off, you know, benching guys um, and playing the accountability card – I think especially if you if you do it not as a you're going to sit the rest of the game type thing. I mean, you know, if Giannis got sat in the third quarter and, you know, then didn't play again in the second half, I mean, that would be just 
sheer lunacy, right? Yep. Um, and even occurring at the time it did, I mean, just watching from the outside, it was difficult to tell why he would be doing that, especially given the way the game was going. Um, you know, that was like a moment where, you know, I think you would be forgiven if looking at it, you're saying like, did Jason Kidd get on the hashtag fire kid bandwagon as well with that move? Like, is he, is he just going like full death wish on us yeah. at this point? Um, cause and, benching your star could turn out not going well, <laughs> especially in a game that you're losing, um, by double digits. But I mean, look, he puts, takes him out for a few minutes and puts him back in. So, you know, of course it's the first night of back to back. So, Yet again, Giannis ends up still playing 40 minutes. He ends up playing, what, like 19, 18 straight minutes to finish the game. Um, so, I mean, in terms of, like, getting Giannis minutes, obviously it really wasn't very material. He ended up playing a ton of minutes regardless. And, um, you know, again, I mean, this is where you have to know your guys and know how you can handle them and know how they'll respond. And Jason Kidd's been around these guys long enough. Obviously, you'd expect him to, to understand what he can and can't get away with. Um, and, obviously, if these guys know that, they're not going to be benched the rest of the game. Then it's just like, all right, hey, you know, accountability, but then you're going to have another chance. Um, th- that's, I don't think that in itself, of itself is, you know, a problem, right? I mean, I think yeah. that that's fine. Um, and, you know, but whether that was the galvanizing effect, I don't know, right? I mean, it's not like benching Henson and Snell somehow helped the Bucks early on because they continue <laughs> to struggle thereafter. That did not snap them out of their funk early. No, 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 no. And, I mean, you. I guess we haven't gotten to that point yet, but I mean, and again, this is, you file this under who knows what, you know, whether we should interpret anything Jason Kidd says literally in a press conference. Um, but he did basically make a comment which struck me, struck me as sort of a Jason Kidd giving zero Fs kind of screwing around, but might actually have been true when he said that basically he ended up putting and Sterling Brown in, you know, less than two minutes into the game for Snell and Henson because Sterling Brown was the first person he saw. And I guess he just didn't notice Malcolm Brogdon because Malcolm Brogdon didn't play for 20 minutes or whatever it was in the first half. I mean, I, I, I would not be at all surprised if he just straight up forgot about Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, he doesn't bring Brogdon in early in quarters anyway, typically. I mean, we've seen Liggins come in before Malcolm Brogdon pretty regularly. Um, so... I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he just literally forgot about Malcolm Brogdon, who is his best bench player, um, which I guess sort of tells you about just sort of where we are with this team. But um, obviously with, you know, again, if you're going to judge it by the results and the way things kind of worked out, um, obviously it worked out. And I think that's very fortunate for Jason Kidd because, yeah, I, I don't know if the players would have been as enthusiastic um, if they don't end up kind of finding that switch to flip and, um, if if the result had been different, and to Malcolm's credit, like he handled this well, because yeah. he again maybe his body language in those twenty minutes where he was sitting to start the game weren't the best. Uh, uh, our friend over at All the Bucks, Dean, caught the or he he was trailing a little bit behind the game, so he was able to cut up the moment where Giannis and Brogdon talk for a second and. Giannis essentially he told us after the game Giannis asked him you feeling okay you good and he said yeah and then there was kind of a moment where Giannis was like oh what why aren't you playing and Brogdon just kind of shrugs and says I I don't really know Uh, and after the game I asked Brogdon 
uh, about whether or not that was that was something pre-planned, if he had any idea about it. And he said, nah, we, we had no clue. As a professional, it's your job to be ready when you get in, and that's what I had to do tonight. Uh, so, again, Malcolm says the right things, but of all the moves, that one has to be the most strange. Uh, and like you said, a lot of times during post-game press conferences, Jason doesn't really want to be there and will just say things. Uh, a lot of times? <laughs> Every time? Maybe. Uh, but a lot of the time he will just say stuff. And uh, obviously we saw that the other night with the, was it the lottery comment? Um, when asked about playing Liggins over Kilpatrick and uh, tonight in the same way, it's just like, oh, well, Sterling was the first one I saw. And, and with his delivery, that sounded like more of a, a, a sarcastic brand of Jason Kidd post-game press conference answer. Um, but at the same time, it, that one is the strangest one. Brogdon not playing because, as you can see, Malcolm Brogdon's pretty good. Uh, plus 20 in 26 minutes, uh, 13 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. Uh, he was the Bucks' biggest positive on the night. And, it, again, that one, <laughs> it's going to be tough to explain. It, so you have to be curious, was there something else going on? Like, why would Brogdon be that guy? Because, uh, obviously, what we know of Brogdon is – He's very professional, and he's been jerked around this season. He he had a great start to the year. They trade for Bledsoe, and then he's coming off the bench, and sometimes he's closing games, sometimes he's not, and sometimes he's playing a lot, and sometimes he's not, and he's just kind of getting jerked around. And uh, it was just strange to see him once again be that guy, that he's the guy that sits out the first 20 minutes of the game, and you don't really have an explanation for it. Because the other things – can be explained. Henson and Snell getting taken out early. I can explain that one. They explained it to me. They said they were supposed to blitz and didn't blitz, and that's what got them taken out. Eric Bledsoe getting taken out three minutes into the game. He didn't say this, but you can see him not hustling after a loose ball, and Middleton trying to be the the only one that goes down and tries to block a shot after Bledsoe had turned it over. So I can explain that one. Giannis at the start of the third quarter, not playing out enough. Okay, I can explain that one, but the Brogdon one, I can't explain. It seemed like um, like the uh, reverse of uh, when um, Gary Payton was still arbitrarily starting and uh, Brogdon subbed in for him in the second half, like 20 seconds in or whatever that was, yep. because they just forgot to... Uh, to, to make that change going into into the third quarter. Um, this was kind of the opposite. They just, like, kid just forgot to ever try to put Brogdon in the game. Um, so, I don't know. You know, the misadventures of Jason Kidd, part 378, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, this was a game that um, I think emotionally the Bucks needed a win um, or, you know, you look at that schedule, um, they're facing, you know, this is also our preview pod for for the game uh, in Oklahoma City, a place where they have had some very ugly showings uh, against a team that, you know, we saw them put in a very ugly performance again earlier this year, even when the Thunder were not playing great basketball overall, but the Bucks made them look like title contenders in the game in Milwaukee that they lost badly. And we're going to have to see if they can put up a better effort uh, 
in Oklahoma City this weekend because, um, you know, Oklahoma City's been playing much better overall. So we'll, we'll kind of see how this goes. But, you know, if they lose tonight, um, you'd expect them to lose in Oklahoma City. Uh, all of a sudden, you know what, you'd be at 500 and you've got some difficult games coming up. Um, you know, there's a chance there for things to spiral a bit. And again, not not that one game kind of absolves you from from a spiral or yep. or from slipping down the standings. Because I think the Bucks, you know, I mean, the, the one game you you were obviously joking at the top because one game doesn't really prove much at all. We we still update, still can't trust the Bucks. Um, Correct. I think this game underscored it even in a win. But uh, again, I think just you know, if you are a Bucks fan, presumably why you're listening to this, and you, you know, you, you like these players who, and I think it is obviously generally a very likable group, um, you know, as conflicted as you might feel about Jason Kidd and just the continued stuff that continues to happen around coaching decisions, things like that. Um, it, it was somewhat cathartic, I think, to see these guys, you know, be able to re- be repaid for continuing to fight at it. And, and obviously, you know, the, the sloppiness early on was just some of the bad passes, mistimes and um, the mistakes where it was was not great um but obviously they they worked very hard and um and obviously they they outlasted uh, a team in minnesota that obviously as we talked about they have some definitely some top end talent um my reverse jinx of uh andrew wiggins or i don't know if it was i don't was it a what did i jinx the bucks i guess in my yeah. discussion of andrew wiggins yeah. last night he, he came out shooting the ball well, um, finished 21 points on 14 shots, but kind of cooled off as the game went on, didn't really make much of an impact in the second half. I think he left the game briefly as well. Um, Tyus Jones wasn't bad, but really didn't shoot much at all. I think he only had six points and what, like five assists, four rebounds. I think he had some steals. Um, so I, I at least, um, I don't think... I don't think the loss would have been on me necessarily if if they had lost. <laughs> we would have thought about lost. it, but yes, <laughs> I, I, I would agree. It probably wasn't on you. And yeah, um, I think you're bringing up some good stuff here because uh, with that, with the cathartic nature of that win, uh, I think obviously, obviously people come to us to hear about the Bucks, and when the Bucks win, they want to hear the positive things. And uh, I think uh, as we go through this, it, it was hard tonight to see the positives of this one. So that that's why we just spent the first 20 minutes of this podcast kind of trying to sort through all of it. But when you do look at the positives in this one, um, I think Malcolm Brogdon obviously stands out. Uh, I thought he was obviously hugely impactful from the moment that he got into the game. A plus 20 is kind of – pretty crazy um in just 26 minutes of play um and he just had a huge impact on this game uh i thought thank you timberwolves for playing some of the worst transition defense i think i've ever seen um because (laughs) i think you mentioned something about Giannis getting a ton of dunks tonight and that being his way to get in uh hashtag nba vote with all the dunks tonight and i mean one letting him go in transition, I don't know how many times, like just giving Giannis a lane down the middle of the floor. We see so often so many teams, there's five guys there. When you watch the Bulls in that fourth quarter, that was their sole goal was make sure you get back on defense, show a ton of bodies, and the Timberwolves are just like, eh, whatever. Well, maybe we'll get to him. And if you say maybe we'll get to Giannis, that means he is dunking on your head. Uh, and he did that multiple times. And then they even did it in the half court once. 
in the first of the Red Seas. In the first half, I think Giannis was bewildered by is no one gonna pick me up? Because like he didn't even throw down a cool dunk. Like he he got there and he was just like, Seriously? Nobody? Nobody. Okay, sure. Uh and just threw it down. So a ton of dunks for, for Giannis tonight. Obviously not the, the best shooting night, uh, but they were able to kind of close that out down the stretch. And uh, John Henson, uh, we talked. Yeah. Uh, I third mean, quarter, third quarter. John Henson was was something. He, he was huge. He was absolutely huge. He was flying all over the place. Uh, he ends the night seven for seven from the field for fourteen points, and he was really just able to get into all those kind of nooks and crannies and be there to finish stuff and then defensively there to fly around. And we talked about how the Bucks were back to their trapping and blitzing ways. And, well, if they're going to be that, the center position has got to be a big part of it. And John Henson was able to be a big part of it. And uh, early in the game you saw Towns hit some threes and then it seemed like late in the game they did, one, a better job actually working on that blitz and making it difficult on Jimmy Butler. And then two, they did a better job getting to Towns early if that was a a help side guy tagging from the weak side. And then also Henson getting back to uh, Carl Anthony Towns once they were able to contain and control Butler. So um, I I thought Henson really did a nice job. and, And we talked last night about centers and and what they need and you can still see with Thon maybe those other 20 minutes of the 48 minutes played by the centers tonight wasn't great but the 28 minutes from John Henson were extremely useful and exactly what you you need out of a center on this Bucks team yeah in the third quarter there especially after Giannis goes out um you know know, you're wondering like well geez I mean who's gonna step up here I mean are, are you know, are you do you have enough firepower here with the way the team had been going and the struggles they had had to to figure out a way back into this game? And it's not that Henson put the team on his back and then you know immediately brought them back or something like that because it was definitely a bit of a slog to get back into this game. But um, I but just started he, imagining like Henson ISOs and yeah. like him just being like, "All right, guys, clear out. I got this." Yeah, but you know he had what one or two hook shots. Yep. Um, had you know some finishes around the bucket, even hit a jumper, you know, rhythm jumper after he'd seen a couple of shots go down. Um, maybe that confidence helped him hit that shot. And uh, obviously, anytime you can get seven out of seven from from Henson, um, you know, you're th- pretty thrilled with the offensive production uh, from him at that spot. And um, you, you know, I think again, Towns is a guy that he scores 22 points on 12 shots. And man, you, you do kind of wonder. I mean, we talked about it last night. I mean, you just feel like if if they played through Towns more. I mean, Towns could be, I mean, he put up monster numbers last year, like 25 a game or whatever it was. Um, But he could, you know, certainly get his, I think he's around 20 right now. Um, He does feel like a guy that is being underutilized. We saw him hit four out of eight threes tonight. Um, Overall, Minnesota gets eight out of 14 um, from Wiggins and Towns. Wiggins was uncharacteristically hitting his threes. Um, Only hit three out of six free throws, thankfully. Um, Seven out of 14 overall. But um, but those two guys hit eight out of fourteen. The rest of the roster one out of fourteen. And I gotta say, if the Bucks were giving out a game ball, walk over to the opposing locker room, give it to Jamal Crawford because yep. Crawford, other than you know, conning uh, another uh, you know three point 
foul out of uh i think it was jet actually ironically who obviously you'd expect to know better um but he did like his leg kick out follow through thing uh got three free throws that way but um crawford overall oh out of five from three four out of 13 overall 11 points on 13 shots four turnovers minus 22 i mean him being in the game you know i thought they minnesota was fine with tyus jones in um, but when Crawford came in, when he was really running the offense, I, did, was there a reason why Aaron Brooks didn't play more? Because he he, he hit was, a couple he was shots good in the first half. Yeah, I yeah, he know. hit a couple shots in the first half, and then uh, yeah, he disappeared. Aaron Brooks, of course, a guy that Thibodeau has used going back to his Chicago days as kind of like a small energy guard. Um, but it seemed like there was way too much of Jamal Crawford for Minnesota to be competitive in the second half and he took lots of difficult shots and um, he was obviously his struggles were obviously central to uh, to the Bucks being able to come back and also Jimmy Butler I mean Jimmy Butler takes lots of difficult shots he took lots of difficult shots tonight and um, you know 20 points five boards seven assists a couple steals for Jimmy but four turnovers and only six out of 16 shooting only one out of six from three so you know I think you're generally pretty pretty pleased with the defense and the work that was done on Butler who played 43 minutes uh, after playing 40 some minutes last night right in that uh, <laughs> yeah. overtime game so um, so yeah I mean other than Towns and you know Towns and Wiggins were, were efficient but didn't take tons of shots and um, yeah it, it just seemed like again um, they were hitting shots early in the game but overall um, you know Wiggins and Towns as much as they hit got hot from three nobody else did and that was important because this was like a, a depressingly throwback game from the Bucks in terms of the three-point shooting. Just five out of 15 total. Yeah. Um, the Bucks shoot 55% from the field, which kind of surprised me when I saw that. But I guess a lot of the problems offensively were turnovers. not so much. Yeah, exactly. It was the turnovers. It wasn't so much that they couldn't you know, score when, when they did get shots. So um, they were very efficient offensively tonight. Um, but you know, again, well, I shouldn't say very, they were 110 offensive rating. So maybe slightly above their average, just barely. Um, and largely because just 16 turnovers and they just didn't take many threes. So even though they had 55% of their shots, um, you know, they were pretty much all two pointers. And, uh, again, you know, not, not sure I'd have to rewatch to tell you why they were not shooting more threes, but, um, certainly that was not a, a big part of, uh, of the game tonight. And, um, yeah, I, I one thing one thing I did like DNPCD for DeAndre Liggins. <laughs> um, I wasn't going to talk about it. I didn't want to jinx it. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I'm <laughs> I I have I'm under no illusion that we're not going to see any more DeAndre Liggins because I'm sure he'll be back probably what, what, probably, nine, probably nine days the, nine days ten days. Well, we got to be getting close. The January seventh you know, is the guarantee date, isn't it? You know, yeah, January seventh. I think you have to waive the guys by because then they have to clear waivers so that they're off to the books by January tenth. Um, and uh, yeah, you just my my hypothesis. Jason Kidd is probably saving him for Oklahoma City. Um, oh, and, Westbrook, uh, the whole game. Give and, him forty-eight and, on Westbrook. Exactly. Liggins is you know gonna just totally lock down Westbrook or foul him fifty-three times or whatever. But um, but yeah, that is my guess is that we will see ligands in oklahoma city on saturday night um so get ready people uh some other take your take your your, you know pepto-bismol now some other things you mentioned this timberwolves team watching them i struggle to think of how they're so efficient offensively with the role that they give carl anthony towns Because, because like you said it's so easy with towns 
Like with the way that he shoots the three and what he can do from all over the floor, you can put it on the deck a little bit. Like, like he is just a impossibly tough cover at the center position and just makes everything look easy. Like you said, eight of 12 tonight for 22 points and four assists, five rebounds. Like that's just craziness. And then the offense runs through Jamal Crawford for 26 minutes and the offense runs through Jimmy Butler when it's not with Jamal Crawford because he plays 43 minutes and it's just so hard with both of those guys. They're, they're, in in a kind of Chris Middleton way, like they're not, they're both very skilled, but they're not going to be overwhelmingly athletic where they actually get all the way to the rim. Sometimes Jimmy Butler does, but it's largely finishing and making plays through skill rather than overwhelming athleticism. And it's just so difficult. Um, and again, they're both crazy skilled, so it works sometimes but it's just weird to watch this team um also with carl anthony towns i don't know if i've ever seen a big get disrespected as much on the defensive end as carl anthony towns everyone was going at him chris middleton was attacking the rim back-to-back plays during that eight-point run where he got the three-point and one where towns followed him so Towns is trailing on the play, falls Middleton on the three, he hits it and one, that's four. Then the next two plays, Middleton catches on the left side, goes right at Towns, and I think ends up shimming his shoulder to the right and then putting his left shoulder into Towns and finishing over the top with his right hand. And then the next play, he gets in the middle of the floor and straight line attacks right down the middle of the floor and finishes through, I'm going to say some Towns contact, but really he just tries to get out of the way by putting both hands up. Uh, but I, I just, like, that's that's worse than the way teams treat Thon this year. Like, they are more disrespectful towards Towns than they are Thon, which is just which is just crazy. Um, so if, if you're curious about why people might be down on Towns and his potential going forward, like the defensive concerns, man, they are real. <laughs> they are really real. Um, and the Bucks, I, I thought, did a nice job taking advantage of it. So good stuff there. One last thing I want to mention, fourth quarter, uh, Delhi and Bledsoe in pick and rolls with Giannis. Uh, if I could give Bledsoe or any other player Delhi's chemistry – and ability and willingness to set screens, I think I'd have a really, really great basketball player because Delhi just seems to get it, like how to kind of manipulate things with Giannis and how to get him open, but he's just bad. Uh, so he can't actually execute the play. Like he can get he can get it started and you can see exactly what should be happening, but then he's just like not quick enough to turn a corner. He's not skilled enough to make the right pass. And sometimes it works and it's okay. And then other times it looks as terrible as stuff with Delhi tends to look, but uh, he was two for two tonight, uh, a turnover and four points in 10 minutes. And then after Delhi kind of got things started, they went to that Bledsoe Giannis pick and roll and Bledsoe just, kind of made the right moves and made the right decisions and really closed that game out. So as much as Bledsoe can be frustrating to watch and sometimes not getting all the way to the rim and sometimes settling for pull-up jumpers, 
to close this game out. He he hits that corner three and then was just kind of attacking after that, and it closed the game out for the Bucks. The play that kind of I mean the game was already kind of more or less in hand, but the game that re- the play that really sealed it was uh, a pick and roll with Bledsoe and Giannis and the kind of wrinkle that that maybe you don't see typically in the way the Bucks run this was Middleton ran if you think of it they were going to to your left as you imagine this game uh, on a TV and Middleton ran kind of from the top corner down along the baseline yep. and um, I think it was Wiggins kind of got a little crossed up because like I think the assumption was that Wiggins was going to like tag Giannis or kind of like you know yep. cover Giannis when Giannis rolled but then Middleton was going to the corner so then Wiggins was kind of like pulled into no man's land for a minute and or a second and that left Giannis kind of wide open and it wasn't necessarily a really easy pass because there's still like a sea of bodies between Bledsoe at the top of the key and Giannis who's basically kind of just by himself down low and um, Bledsoe throws a nice pass that Giannis kind of like faked the out like alley-ooping it wasn't good enough to just alley-oop straight up but Towns kind of like had to <laughs> took jump. himself like out of the play yeah yeah Towns got and, and that I mean I don't necessarily blame Towns for that much I mean he kind of jumped at it as though Giannis was going to try to alley-oop it and Giannis just came down with it and then uh just laid it in easy with with Towns and at that point being out of the play so that was you know a, a play I, I don't know I mean again I don't know if this really addresses sort of like some of the stuff you talk about where you know we talk about the weak side not doing anything um, mm-hmm. And that was maybe a little bit of wrinkle that we don't see every time um, where instead of, you know, Middleton just sort of staying in his spot in, you know, the corner or the wing and just standing there waiting. Um, he was actually kind of part of the action in a way that maybe, um, you know, you don't normally see or, you know, again, I don't know if the I don't know if the Wolves had that on film for what the Bucks do. But certainly in that moment that may have created sort of that, that split second of indecision that that helped Giannis get uh, get that bucket. So. Um, so, yeah. Bucks win, not that convincingly, but certainly, uh, you know, again, uh, uh, certainly in the context of, of this season, a very meaningful victory. Uh, and again, we, we can't say enough about what Bledsoe did. Um, Giannis, no free throws. I was like livid in the fourth quarter a couple times when he got like mugged, and mm-hmm. I thought I thought he had. I thought he was going to get a shooting foul, but they ruled that he was like trying to pass, even though if he had wanted to pass on a two-on-one, he could have easily dumped it to Middleton um, before Jimmy Butler mugged him. So I was like pissed off that he wasn't shooting free throws on that. And then Wiggins seemed to maul him on a little drop step move along the baseline like a couple minutes before that. Um, so yeah, Giannis shooting no free throws. I think His what, whistle for like, the last like two weeks has not been great. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but... Credit to Giannis, he kind of just battled through it. Um, Twenty-two points, you know. Again, eleven out of twenty shooting. I mean, that's fifty-five percent. So that's that's good percentage-wise. But uh, again, if you don't shoot any free throws, uh, your overall scoring efficiency isn't going to be great. But twenty-two points on twenty shots, uh, ten boards, three assists, including that really big one where he drew the defense in transition and found Bledsoe open for that corner three that gave the Bucks their first lead. Um, that was huge. And uh, you know, again, it, interesting. I mean, Giannis. Giannis has really not been getting many blocks and steals lately, and I feel like that's often uh, symptomatic of the Bucks' defense really not being able to do what it wants to do, which is namely, you know, put teams in compromised situations and make them give up the ball or, you know, have to take difficult shots over people like Giannis. And it seems like teams have, 
you know, done a good job of just sort of keeping him away from the ball and playing a keep away and not letting Giannis make plays defensively. And I'd have to check how many times Giannis has not had a block or an assist or sorry, a block or a steal in a game. Um, but I would guess the Bucks have often lost those games because certainly, um, you know, when you think about what Giannis does so well and what he what he means to them. Uh, he had no blocks and no steals in the, uh, the the loss in Boston where he scored 40. Um, he also had no blocks and no steals in the big loss in Utah. Uh, and bear with me. He he had no blocks and no steals in the win in Atlanta as well. So those are the only games in which Giannis has been held block and steal-less. Um, so at least this is the second one, I guess. Uh, in in those type situations, but um, oh, and the oh no, sorry, Charlotte, he didn't play. But but yeah, not a lot of uh, only let's see, only one block for Giannis in the last five games, hmm. um, and he has not had a multi-block game since December eighth against Dallas. So his shot blocking has been way down um, this month. So again, we'll see if that means anything or uh, if that's just a kind of momentary blip, but. Um, Obviously, tonight you get the win, and you'll take it. Like you said, Frank, uh, Bucks had not led until 2.25 left in this one. They they were trailing almost wire to wire, but that Bledsoe corner three puts the Bucks up uh, 95-93 with 2.25 left, and they close it out the rest of the way. They continue to hold the Timberwolves uh, scoreless for a couple more minutes, and then uh, Butler hits a late three, off one foot as uh, the clock was hitting zero and the Bucks win 102-96. So uh, the Bucks have the Thunder in the next game. We mentioned that a, a little bit, um, but I guess what you need to know is the the Bucks gave up the Thunder's best performance of the year until the Thunder actually started playing good. If that makes sense, like when the Thunder were bad. Their best performance of the year was probably against the Bucks in Milwaukee. Uh, the Thunder are now playing good and have kind of got themselves back into the mix. They've started to figure things out a little bit with Paul George and Carl Anthony and Russell Westbrook and kind of how that's all going to work. Uh, so they are a tough team now, and it's going to be a tough game for the Bucks. so we'll see what they can do uh, this weekend. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. The Bucks win 102-96. Bledsoe, 26 points, 6 assists, Three rebounds, five steals. Chris Middleton, 14 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 13 points, five rebounds, three assists, a plus 20 in just 26 minutes. And then uh, John Henson, seven for seven for 14 points. And Giannis Adetokounmpo, 22 points, 10 rebounds, and three assists in the winning effort. That is going to be it for us for today. We will talk to you again on Monday. We'll see what the Bucks can do over the weekend. We'll talk to you then.